Welcome, everybody, to another live recording of Linking the Travel Industry podcast, where we discuss travel industry news you are talking about on LinkedIn. I've just mentioned it, but yes, this is a podcast which you can subscribe to. We will give you the details of that at the end of this recording. We absolutely welcome audience participation. After all, we are here to link the travel industry. So if you have a comment on any of the stories we discuss here today, please raise your hand and we'll get you on stage. My name is Rian, and I'm one of your hosts today. I am the CEO of Agentivity, where we make it our mission to elevate the the service ability of travel management companies through the effective use of data. And I am Anne, and I'm a consultant in the travel and airline industry, happy to help you with anything related to retailing, one order NDC and distribution. And I also work as an instructor with both IATA and Aeroclass. Hi, everyone. My name is Ash, and I'm the host of a weekly business travel podcast called What's Up in Business Travel, where we give you only the important updates in business travel in under 15 minutes. Additionally, I'm the vice president at Traxo, and this is Linking the Travel Industry. Well, thank you both. And I'm about to hand over to somebody who's joined us today because why? NDC Day happened in the US. But just for those who are new to this uh, session and show if you want, we uh, discuss relevant industry news that was on LinkedIn the previous week. And then we uh, dive into them a bit more in here. So we are very glad that uh, Jeff from Amtrev has managed to join us today despite the hour. So Jeff, um, thank you for joining us. We're going to talk to you a little bit about your week last week with NDC. Could you do a quick introduction about yourself and who you work with? And um, we'll get you some questions. Yeah, sure. And thanks for having me. It's great to be on this. I am Jeff Klee. I'm the founder and CEO of Amtrav. We're a TMC-based here in the States. I'm in Los Angeles. And we are uh, an all-in-one TMC and booking tool. We have our own online booking tool. We call it A to B. We develop all of our own software in-house and we're proud to be content source agnostic. We've been maniacal about trying to improve the traveler experience, trying to close the content gaps between supplier sites and corporate booking tools. So we've always welcomed NDC and other similar initiatives. Uh, we've got the scars to prove it. The journey to NDC has been filled with alternating excitement and disillusionment. Uh, it certainly isn't perfect, but we're happy to be going in this direction. So Jeff, thank you very much. The scars of NDC, I would love to talk to you about that at some point, maybe over a bottle of whiskey. But let's just talk about your <laughs> week. Last week, you posted uh, several posts. I, mean, I saw another one you did yesterday, which was so well received by the community and thank you for doing those. I think we all appreciate them. From my side uh, and with my TMC hats on, I just wanted to know, what did you guys do to stay sane last week? Were there lots of plates being spanned? What was the sort of biggest disruption for you last week? Yeah, I, I think the biggest disruption for sure was on the servicing and the, the one-offs. I mean, that, that's the, the challenge with travel management in general. It's that it, it's pretty easy to shop and book and issue a ticket but there's always nuances where, oh, we need to change a name. The, the traveler forgot their middle name and it doesn't match their ID, so we need to reissue it for that reason. Or there's a, you know bad weather, so there's a, a waiver here or there. Or corporate discount wasn't applied, it's a ticket has to be reissued. All, all sorts of the one-offs that most of which we've, if not completely automated, semi-automated through the GDS. And we've had years to kind of address all of these unique situations that can happen. For some context, we had been connected to Americans NDC since 2019, but we had not been using it 
anywhere close to full time or on all of our bookings. And in fact, when we first connected, it worked fine for shopping and booking. And American gave us some pretty enticing bundles to offer, which were nice. But the servicing on the American API side was really lacking. There wasn't much we could do. It was a very manual process. And once COVID hit and we started having all these staffing problems, like everybody else, we said, oh, we can't do this anymore. Uh, so we pretty much stopped using it for a while. Now, in that time, American plugged a lot of those gaps. Since December, when they announced they were doing this, we've spent time trying to do the coding on our side necessary to build those servicing capabilities that we didn't have in our initial try at American NDC. We've gotten pretty close to fully implementing everything that their API supports. And we do, I should point out, we, we connect directly with them instead of going through a GDS. Okay, you've just answered the question I was about to ask you. So you you guys did that development yourself with in-house developers and did you manage that, et cetera? It, it's all in-house yeah. developers. And I know you have a question for Jeff. Yeah, sure. And thank you for being here today, Jeff. It's really brilliant. And I thank you for the posts during the week. I wanted to pick your brain a bit on the exchanges because, you know, it's no different, really. It shouldn't be any different for exchanges because, I mean, they are still on ATPCO and they still use uh, CAP31 and it should be possible to move between the systems or if you can share some more details on that. Our biggest single problem by far is the fact that you cannot exchange an Edifact ticket for an NDC ticket. And that causes problems with our flow because what we do, customer will go through the booking process, they'll select flights, they'll see a fare. And then at the very end, at the checkout page, we will tell them, oh, here are your unused ticket credits you have. You know, Do you want to apply any of these? So it's a really awkward situation where they found an NDC fare that might be $150 lower than the GDS fare. And then they say they want to apply a GDS ticket and they can't do it. And I posted about this on LinkedIn and there's a lot of kind of mm. uh, conspiracy theorists who think this is you know, intentional on American side. It's not. I've had conversations with them. It is a technical issue. Now, now to your point, and I'm not sure why it's a technical issue, but I've had conversations mm. with both FairLogic folk. They're trying to fix it, but apparently it's a lot of work involved to address that. So I don't know if or when that will be addressed. I, I hope it will. And I hope it will be soon because that, that's a real problem. Our goal from the beginning was we don't want customers to know about NDC. I mean, you know, we all talk yeah. about it every day and, you know, we, we live in this world. But I mean, to a traveler, they don't care if, if it's XML or Edifact in the background and nor should they have to. So to have to explain no. to someone that you can't exchange your ticket because it's in this protocol versus another is, is, is a tough sell. You know, it's really odd. But but then again, of course, um, this tickets that you use as credits in the U.S., that's pretty unique to the U.S. market. So I can see that you you have a, a problem. We wouldn't, you know, do that on the European market. But it's interesting because I don't understand why they can't, because I assume that they, they would use QPX in the background. But now I'm getting a bit too technical and they could just, you know, use Reshop Shell to exchange yeah, exactly. And my comment on that one was it's a shame because technically it's a credit, right? It's not related to the actual booking. But I assume in the reissue process, no. you need to reference two different data sets now. Yeah, yeah but it shouldn't really be. I, I don't see why it's a problem. 
there are times, I mean, and this is one of the problems with Americans NDC implementation that they're trying to solve, but there are a lot of situations where an NDC order becomes, particularly if it's changed directly with American, if the booking, or it becomes, um, even if it's changed by an agent who has to go into their Spark tool, you, you, you will get an error message, NDC order changed outside of NDC. It's, it's like the whole thing breaks. And from that point on, you can't do anything in NDC. I, seems like there's some order management system that they've built on top of basically old legacy Edifax stuff for, from my perspective that um, if you do something outside of an NDC world, then it, it doesn't fit anymore in that NDC order management system. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I think this is a big step that Americans taken. I think it's getting, it's it's forcing the issue in, in a good way. It's forcing TMCs and others to get ready. I think that the underlying technology, yeah. there's a lot of lipstick on a pig here. <laughs> there is a lot of, there is a lot of artifact messaging out there. There truly is. Some of it is, it's a, it's a step in the right direction. And actually, personally, I think that hopefully this will help the U.S. to kind of move away from those ticket credits, which I think is kind of a bit sort of dated, but that's another topic for another day. Couldn't agree more. I, I could spend this whole hour talking about that, but I, but I <laughs> yes. won't. Hey, Jeff, uh, this is Ash. A uh, couple of questions. And by the way, thank you uh, for joining us uh, here today. I uh, really appreciate it. I think your insights into what uh, the analysis you've done and the information that you're sharing with the industry is just quite amazing. And uh, we thank you for that. Uh, so a two-part question here. First part is that you mentioned that you have the your homegrown product, A to B. And of course, your travelers are using that product. And of course, you're offering NDC content to them via that channel. But you have clients most likely on other OBTs as well, are they not able to access the content in the same manner today that you have with A2B? About 98% of our clients are on A to B. And I'd also point out that our, our agent's desktop it uses basically the same platform as A to B. So even though it doesn't look exactly the same, they have access. We, we do have a, a small number of customers on Concur. Now, some of them, this was put them over the edge and then have switched to A to B based on this coming and based on conversations we had uh, with them before April 1st. But the, the ones on Concur, yeah, they're in the same boat as anyone else from any other TMC on Concur, they, they don't really have any good options. We don't think Travel Fusion is a viable option. It doesn't work if you need an approval flow because you can't hold and ticket, can't service it. You, it creates a passive segment in the GDS, which is we, we don't use. It, it's everything that we um, are against, frankly. So um, I, I don't think that that is an option. But I mean, it, it's a tiny, tiny, tiny sliver of our business who's, who's on Concur. I mean, our, our focus is overwhelmingly on A to B and giving the best possible experience we have there. When we do have clients who are on Concur, and most of them are They've been on Concur forever and then they haven't wanted to change, but um, there are going to be limitations and there's really no avoiding that. The second part of my question is around the savings uh, opportunities you're uh, showcasing on LinkedIn in the articles here that you're posting. It really impresses me how much the difference is. I thought there was going to be a difference, but you actually put it in percentages. You have real numbers here. You're analyzing it and you've done a spectacular job on the post that you did yesterday. Uh, I find that to be quite amazing. So when you're sharing this information with your clients, did you launch a new uh, process by which, I mean, are you measuring savings against non-NDC fares and therefore showing value through the NDC channel for your customers? You know, 
American put out this number back in December. They said 40% of their fares aren't going to be in NDC. And I think like a lot in the industry, we were, you know, dying to know what does that mean? What are these fares that, you know, some were speculating that's just basic economy. Is that really 40% of fares? I mean, for months, <laughs> I really, really want to know well, what what are they talking about? What what is the real impact going to be during the the, the quarter and in the run up to this? We wanted to make sure that we would be able to answer that and, and really speak intelligently on what is a traveler or a company missing if they're not getting NDC fares. So we built in a process where we would anytime someone books a ticket, we make sure to uh, to price it in both sources, both through the NDC API and the GDS API, and and write the results to a database. To your question about are we considering that savings, we, we haven't decided yet how to report on that. Uh, I mean, we're, we're collecting it. We, we will be able to, on a per client basis, indicate what they've saved by using NDC versus not. Now, the question is, do we consider that the same kind of savings that they would get if they have a corporate negotiated rate or they're using an Amtrak negotiated rate? We're not sure yet how we're going to report it to the clients. We just know that we've collected the data. So we've got a lot of options on how, how we can do that. One of the things that really surprised us is how bad domestic first class fares have been hit in the Edifact world. I think there was a lot of speculation that that most of the impact would be on the, the lower fares, the you know the cheaper fares. But um, domestic in first class fares, it's a really big difference, but not so much on transatlantic business class fares so far. Now we also have to remember that I mean American can change this on a dime, and and they're they're yeah. probably iterating on this. So just because some whatever happened in the first week isn't necessarily the permanent strategy. Uh, congrats on your achievement there with that ATB penetration among your customers. That is fantastic. And um, the comparison fair and the fair savings, I saw a post by, I think it was Matthew Parsons from Skift who said, is it fair to do comparisons now because the uh, original fair is, has been withdrawn? So, you know, are you comparing apples to apples? So it was just an interesting comment from my side. And then um, I just had one final question for you, which is around, you've done your own development directly integrating with Airlines NDC API. What is your view? And I don't want to be controversial here or anything like that. I'm just asking, you know, outright, what is your view on GDS readiness with NDC integration? I mean, we would love to one day consume NDC content through GDSs, and, and we're very open to that. But I think right now, for the, the airlines that are most important to us and our clients, we think we're going to get, one, we're control freaks. So I, I don't want to be in a situation where I'm having to hear from a GDS and having to hear from an airline potentially different explanations for why something isn't working. By connecting directly, we know exactly what the airline API offers and what it doesn't. The GDSs right now are offering a subset of the capabilities that the airlines offer. And the GDSs have their hands full. I mean, I don't envy them and I don't blame them for this, but they've got a lot of implementations for a lot of airlines to balance at once. So I, I just think it's going to be a long time before they work through all that Right now, from the GDSs, you're getting kind of a, a lowest common denominator approach to NDC. And, and let, let's be honest, there's not a lot of great benefits of NDC for the travelers just yet, other than kind of getting them back to where they were before this happened. But I'm optimistic that, you know, we're, we're laying a foundation that, you know, I, I take airlines at their word that we're going to build on this and that once we get the basic plumbing working and the blocking and tackling, we're going to be able to start to layer in a lot of new capabilities. I am concerned how quickly will the airlines be able to deliver that? If, if American introduces some new perk or um, piece of type of content that comes through NDC, the GDSs already have like 
15 things at least that they have to do for American NDC, just kind of more core stuff. So when are they going to get to the the new stuff? And, and what about all the other airlines? So I think for a while, for airlines that are, you know, the big airlines for us, which American is obviously one of them in, in the market we're in, uh, we're going to connect directly for the foreseeable future. So we have control over what we're offering and we can move as, as fast as we can to deliver whatever benefits there are to our customers. Hey, Absolutely. Jeff, I think you just used yeah. an NFL analogy with blocking and tackling <laughs> and that went over Rian and Anne's head completely, just so you know. Wow. Sorry, I should be more mindful. Our, our very US centric, we think oh. every, everyone thinks. <laughs> hey, I've been, I've been ragged upon this entire time, just so you know, being the US representative on this call here <laughs> and kept saying, well, you know, it doesn't happen until it happens in the Americas. And I said, yeah, that's true. And then someone else posted on LinkedIn saying to me, you know, you, you know, you Americans are always late to the party. I said, when we show up, we'd like people to notice that we walked in. So, you know, this is, this is the kind of stuff I'm dealing with. So you're more than welcome to come back anytime on any of these shows and just help me out here. <laughs> Glad to do that. I, I love talking about this stuff. Your your views there are so great. Uh, I saw Anne applauding that as well. So thank you very much for, uh, for sharing those again with us today. And, uh, um, I, I second Ash's invitation there. The door is always open for you, absolutely. And keep us posted on LinkedIn. It is absolutely insightful to see your updates there. And like I said, I think the entire community appreciates that. So thank you very much, Jay. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Those who are in the audience, we thank you for your time. Thank you for being here. So uh, my first story in my post last week was just about Travelport getting an extra $200 million in funding from their equity owners. Um, there's an interview there with Greg Webb about um, what they're going to do with that money. Obviously, it is um, going to be invested, and it was good to see. Ash, uh, any surprise there, or is it just uh, you know good money after good? Well, I think that Travelport definitely needs to do this. And I think that the fact that they have some money to do it, I just hope they don't squander it. We notice a lot of times that companies get money and they just squander it and there's real no achievement at the end. So I know that they have the acquisition of Deem and they have their whole smart point cloud retailing interface, as they call it. So let's see what they do with it. I'm hopeful. It is, it is new owners, though. We're not relatively new, but then think, um, yeah, let's see what happens there. And any thoughts on that? Okay, what, what Ash was saying, and let's hope that they, I mean, they, they could really take a leading position when it comes to to being API-centric. I just hope they don't do the same old stuff, Rian, right? You know, do we have to do the same, like do something unique. You have an OBT now, yeah. finally, right? Yes. Let's see where you can take this sucker. And yes. even if you have to make it fully travel port-centric, I know we had them on the call the other day and they were trying to be very neutral about the conversation, but I would take it to the next level. You own the GDS, you own the OBT, you know, maximize it. Let's see what, where we can go with it. No, absolutely. Okay, my next post was from Oliver Ranson um, about Lufthansa's cabin classes. I actually misread it. I thought he was meaning there was eight different classes, but there's eight specific ones just in business class. So his question in his post was, you know, is the Lufthansa a business class cabin offering too complex? You know, there's like one side window, one this, one that, one that type of seats. It must be a nightmare to manage. And uh, you must be sharing Oliver's views there, right? It made my head hurt. I, I just... <laughs> Really seriously, yeah, I agree with Oliver. Can you imagine the upkeep of all those product variances oh. and, and costs? Oh. And then you have to push all of that by your NDC channel. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't end. Oh, uh, we should. Oh, I'll have to. I'll have a laughing yes. fit now. Oh, that's just okay. so funny. Did you guys notice number six? It says center throne seat with lots of room. You know, to me, <laughs> that looks like a toilet bowl. You know. So. <laughs> 
So I'm kind of thinking, you know, 10% is a toilet, and that's pretty good uh, toilet-to-seat ratio there. Cannot believe they called it Throne. I mean, that is just un- <laughs> unbelievable. We started with that brand name. Oh, okay. Yes, but yes. It's quite, it's, the, the brand name's old, yes. It is. They are going to regret this, I'm, I'm quite sure. So, uh... <laughs> yeah. My next one was an acquisition. The previously known, now I need to get my act together here and make sure I get this right, Trip Actions, that's now Navan. They've acquired, and I'm not sure I can pronounce this, Tripier. You yes. pronounced it exactly right. Yeah. So do, do you know them, Ash? Well, I got to know them through your post. Ash, what do you do without my post? Huh? You get to learn all one. I would be clueless. I'd be like the American that doesn't know any better. <laughs> okay, cool. So um, <laughs> <laughs> any thoughts on this? I mean, my only thoughts on this is very simple that, you know, Navan obviously is going into a market that is growing. It's got a lot of future potential. We talk about it almost on a weekly basis on this show itself. And they're entering into the Indian market with a product that apparently is tried and true. So I think this is a good move for them. India is definitely going to be a big, big market moving forward. And Navan sees that. And so they're making this move and closing the gap on, I think they needed help the most. So there's probably other markets like Japan, I would say, and others that are a little bit complicated in that way. But Navan is definitely, I think, making the right move here. Brilliant. Smuid, thanks for joining us. Um, do you have a comment on the story? So I've been very fortunate to kind of work with many people from Expedia who crossed over to Navan and, you know, some people from CW2 who went into Tripair. So let me sh- share some thoughts around that. The TMC space, as you know, Ash was mentioning, there is a lot of potential in India, but it's also a very tough battle tough. So what makes it more complex is around, you know, the taxation and finance and the, all the complications that are there. Tripure is a very young kind of a company. I think they're just seven years old, but very innovative and, you know, good products that they have come out on the t space. I think this is a great uh, move from Navan to kind of get a head start in this market. And I think I read somewhere, I think probably Ashton correct me if I'm wrong, but there were some studies done at done at Traxo that almost 40% of the travel is booked outside company approved tools. So, you know, there are going growing trends of consumerization, which, you know, though might result into savings and convenience for the travelers, but they kind of put a big headache for people trying to control budgets or track people on duty travels. So, you know, just to sum it up, I think this is a great thing that Navan has done not to reinvent the wheel from zero and you know get a head start in this that's that's very good insight Marit. thank you very much i love the way that you pronounce i've been pronouncing it navan but do you, do you think it's navan <laughs> my next one was some good news from klm and i believe it was also EasyJet and a few other airlines who took the dutch government to court for um, their plans to reduce flight capacity out of Schiphol. Um, Ash, this is your favorite story, recurring story, right? So um, they've actually won. And so they can't impose that limit. I love this. I see, Anne, that they did uh, pronounce one ridiculous win, the government there, to say that they've managed to ban private jets at Schiphol, which apparently was <laughs> 0.001% of all flights. And they're also going to ban flights between midnight and five. But that's the same at Heathrow already. So. Mm. That, it's the same in, in many many airports. I believe it's the same at Zurich, right? Yes. Nine and five. It's, it's quite right. a few airports. Right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm just happy that they're not going to you know, introduce that capacity restriction there. So that's good. <laughs> 
I just mentioned two other posts there, one by Martin, and actually it will relate to something I'm about to talk about, and then one by you, Anne, where you asked the question if travel agents and airlines can remain friends, or if NDC mm-hmm. is the divide. So um, next time you're on, Jeff, we might ask you that question. But Anne, did you get any comments, any other views there that's different from yours? Because, you know, I mean, that is the main difference here when we're talking traditional airlines and we're talking low-cost carriers, right, is that if I've got an API with a low-cost airline, I sell a ticket and that ticket is actually issued by the airline, right? I sell it. I can sell it as an agent if I've got the API. It's actually the ticket that is the problem with traditional airlines mostly because, you know, they have to be issued by agents in different countries and different, you know, an ARC and BSP and all of that. I just threw some of the thoughts out there that so many of the problems could be solved by actually having the airline ticketing and anyway what is a ticket do we actually need the ticket something that i'm really hoping for is that when it becomes more api centric is that you will be able to buy or purchase you know the products from the airline through an api rather yes. than you know very sort of uh, clumsy retrofitted processes in, in the gds and in the future um, world you know and sees all our tickets will be nfts right <laughs> Well, actually, yes. Yes. I had a related story, but it falls under another category, which is... Meanwhile! Extraordinary. The Institute of Travel Management launches a task force to tackle fears over airfare distribution. Specifically, um, let me just read it, including the impact of NDC. But it's 2023. <laughs> I don't understand. Why launch a task force now to investigate the disruption? It's a, I mean, this was Martin's post as well. It's a little bit late, isn't it? That was my spontaneous reaction as well. I thought, whoo, that talk about being late to the party. Unbelievable. I have a trivia question as well, and if you're good with it, let's do a quick intro on that. Ash, we did say we're going to do this. So, my trivia question to you is, which airport was ranked as the busiest last year in 2022? And I have to clarify, it uh, is worth both domestic and international traffic, so all traffic combined, basically people through the airport. I am going to guess Atlanta Airport. I guess Istanbul. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, Istanbul. Okay, so the winner is Ash because Istanbul actually came seventh, but in Atlanta is the, <laughs> is the was the world's busiest. USA, USA. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, Atlanta wins. I'm going to hand over to Ash, and I suspect Ash that you might have. Space news. If you did not know, this week, four astronauts who will go around the moon on Artemis II, which is NASA's first crew mission to establish long-term presence on the moon for science and exploration, were announced. And they had an amazing video. You can check that video out on businesstravel360.com fun. I took the video and posted it there for easy access. What they're planning for is that there will be a 10-day trip that they will be going on. And this is all part of the Orion aircraft that you remember a few months ago that they were testing that was manless just to see if it had the capabilities and the necessary uh, needs for humans to live and work in deep space. But all of this is being set up because this is going to pave the way for human exploration missions from the moon and most likely to Mars and other planets like that. So this is an incredible big step that's happening and super excited to share this today with all of you. Okay, brilliant. And Anne, from your side, any extra stories? 
A couple of stories really caught my attention. Very, I'll be very brief. One was by Jay Sorensen when he posted that Allegiant will be open their wholly owned Sunseeker Resort in Florida in October. And I thought that was particularly interesting. They fly really close to the, the resort. You know, it's like it's a 12-minute drive or something like that. And another one that also caught my eye was the Fetcher that landed $12.5 million in funding. I think it's one of the most interesting companies that I know. And of course, their statement was, you know, saying that the airline industry is broken and it needs an overhaul. This is a pricing system, Fetcher. It's, it's very, very interesting. So that was it from me. Very nice. So all that's left for me to say is to all of you and Mohit and Ash, thank you very much, especially to Jeff. Thank you for joining us. That was great. Thank you, everybody. And especially, of course, a, a big thank you to Jeff for joining us. Thank you all for joining today's session. We host this LinkedIn call every week on Monday, and it is all about linking the travel industry. Please share this event with everyone that you know. Chances are high that if you enjoyed today's session, others that you know will as well. If you cannot make it because of time zone or availability, the session is always available as a podcast on businesstravel360.com. This is Linking the Travel Industry, signing off. 